Welcome to CPO Open Mic, the podcast series that brings you experts in procurement. Feline CPO Mike Schiappa sits down with leaders all over the industry to chat about their areas of expertise, passions, and a lot more. Tune in to every episode each month by following Mike on LinkedIn. Hello, everyone. Mike Schiappa here, Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline. And welcome back to the podcast series, CPO Open Mic. On today's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Casey Jaycox. Casey is the founder of Winning the Relationship LLC, a consulting firm, providing keynote speaking, workshop development, sales leadership, and executive coaching. He is also the host of the Quarterback Dadcast, a podcast that offers stories, advice, and wisdom for fathers looking to improve their leadership skills and emotional intelligence. Casey has over 20 years of business experience. He was the number one sales rep for K-Force nationwide for 10 years before moving into a new position as president of client strategy and partnerships. Casey left K-Force as the firm's all-time leading salesperson in the nearly 60-year company history to begin writing his debut nonfiction book, Win the Relationship, Not the Deal. Casey is a passionate networker and has intense energy for building relationships. He loves to laugh, serve others, and make those around him laugh as well. And I'm sure he's going to make me laugh on this podcast today as well. So Casey, welcome to the podcast, my friend. That was one heck of an intro, Michael. I, I am, <laughs> I'm blushing. I feel like I need to go powder up and just, it's well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. Someone who knows podcasts very well. So how's your summer going so far? Summer's good. It's fun to see my son. He's working on the golf course. It's fun to see him like get up at 445. It's not fun for dad to get up at 445, but just to make sure he's up and then yeah. make sure I get the text that he made it to the golf course uh, alive <laughs> without a speeding ticket. And obviously joking aside, just got over COVID, which sucked, yeah. but summer's good. We're, we're healthy. We're happy now. We're just excited. Finally, the son decided to finally come out here in Seattle after a nine month hiatus. Yeah. Good to hear. So I want to go back in time a little bit, Casey, and then work from there. I want to go back to your K-Force days a little bit, just to set some context around what were you selling? Who were you selling to? What was that game all about for those years for you? Yeah, I literally started, it was my second job out of school. I actually started with a company called Hall Kenyon. Hall Kenyon was purchased by K-Force in June of 2004. And I was just essentially selling staff augmentation, so contract labor to large enterprises. I did a lot of work with a large cellular provider, starts the letter A, if I can think of which one I'm talking about. And I did that for, it was mainly recruiting focus. And then as I started learning more about the industry, learning more about moving up the value chain, I learned the difference between what we were doing and like true outsource firms, more project-based, statement of work-based. There wasn't, a, there was a lot of difference, but there wasn't a lot of difference. Meaning that I think once I learned really how we measuring success, asking better questions, understanding what success looks like from the customer. Then we moved into more, I'd say more management consulting type projects, we call them services at the time. And, and then after that, I moved into more of an executive leadership role where I was just, my CEO was always challenging me to find, how do we create mini cases? he used to say. And I was very lucky they put me in a role where I could do that for three years. But it was fun. And as I think about life as an athlete, there were so many parallels that would align well and I think helped me be successful there because, you know, as a quarterback, Uncle Rico moment right there. 
in college, you had to bring positive energy to the huddle. You had to own your mistakes. You couldn't, you, the film never lies. Watch them film after the game. So like the same thing in business, I could either, it's easy to blame my recruiting team, blame my back office team, blame my leader, but it's like, I was, Hey, if there's something I need to do to get better, own it. And I think when people, when you go first as a either top performer or a leader, I think it really removes fear from the workplace and in sales organizations, there's a lot of fear. I see people are scared to pipeline management or they don't want to ask for help. And, and I just was never shoot we're, we're all, we all got gaps. And so this was always blessed to be in environments that allowed me to do that. But anyway, long would it answer your question. I essentially was just selling people and uh, tough to do because they have a product, they have a mind of their own. That obviously the staffing industry has changed quite a bit over the last few years or since you've been in that world, but a lot of the fundamentals are still the same, the relationship building and what have you, which is obviously a huge piece of what you do and what well, you continue to do for years in your company now. What were like, just staying within that context of selling and being in that world, what did you like most about it? Was it really the relationship building? Was it being able to sell that deal and get excited? What was, what were some of the motivators there for you? To me, it was the competition I loved. Yeah. I loved, I think anybody in sales would be lying. You know, raw, I think if you get a good paycheck, you're not going to turn it down. So that was obviously very encouraging to have. But to me, the thing I love the most was that satisfaction of people said, man, you're different. Thank, thanks for doing it the way you're doing it. And that I got more out of, whether it was saying no to a customer because we couldn't do it. I just, the joy of learning about people, I'm super curious. So I just love learning about people's business. I loved asking questions. That always, that made it fun. And for the 58 no's, you'd get that one yes. Yeah, I'll meet with you. Oh, sweet. That it just kind of, it would give it that extra energy pump for the rest of the week. And then I think also what I loved about selling was when you quote unquote arrive, which none of us ever do, helping keep yourself grounded and other people around you grounded, knowing that, hey, because I think what, I, what, what scared me in, in, in this job was I saw so many people I worked with early in my career have a lot of instant success. They got really complacent and then they're gone. And that always worried me about, I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the person that like gives you the same reps in and out and same experience in and out internally or externally. And that is just joy of connecting people is what really made it fun for me. Yeah. And what you're doing more of now in your new, your new company, which is what you're able to do on a daily basis, which is really cool. I know you love it and you're having a lot of fun doing it, which is great. So towards the tail end of K-Force in getting into kind of what you're doing now, you, you, like I said in the intro there, you started working on that book. What kind of triggered that thought process of, hey, I want to write this book? I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in Dallas. I was traveling quite a bit. And I remember there was a younger, less experienced Salesforce I was working with. And I was teaching them things. I was introducing one of our new customers to them. We were growing together and they were, they, I was like the big brother. They wanted to make big brother proud and happy. And I was teaching him things. And I remember telling him like, Hey, I, I want you to expect to win every deal, but you're not going to win every deal. I want you to win people. We, if we, and how do we win when we lose? And I got this blank stare and I said to think about it, how can we win a relationship when we lose a deal? And I was like, that's, it was like when Griswold saw his tree, when the gold, the sun shines down on the tree, it was like, that's it. And I knew I did not want to write the book while I was still working at K-Force because I didn't, I think one, I didn't want to let it be an excuse. Two, I didn't want to be a distraction. I think that was fair because this was my idea. And I wanted to give hundred percent effort to K-Force and show up the way I did. But 
when I left to write it, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from a former customer named Bobby Robinson. Cause I was like, I love to write, but I love to read. She's just right. She goes right every day. And that was so hard. So literally from like June, when I left, I took a few months off to get my mind in June through August or May through August, whatever. I literally wrote for two hours a day, every day. Someday it was good. Some days bad. The days it was good. It was really bad. The days it was bad. It was actually maybe pretty good. <laughs> and I just wrote. And I tried to write in the tone of like my voice in my head, not because I didn't go to, I didn't, wasn't trained as an English. Obviously I speak English, sarcastically speaking, but <laughs> yeah. And it just, I wanted it to be a book that wasn't like me on a pedestal of theory. I wanted it to be a book of failure from this guy and then just experience. So people can take tactical things and learn and apply them immediately. Okay. These are really simple things, but I found that people don't just spend time on them. Yeah. No, that's really cool. No, the book is great. So the book, again, it's called Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, Six Common Sense Strategies to Succeed in Life and Business. And it's really just like you speaking. It's just very easy to read and a lot of great practical things for not just salespeople, but just business in, in general. And I go back to my days when I was early in strategic sourcing and procurement. I think I might've mentioned this on your podcast was I felt like I was always in a sales mode. I always had to sell internally to my customers, but I was selling myself. I was selling the ideas and I was selling the value proposition. And as I was reading through this, I just got a lot of, yeah, this is really helpful for folks that are not in sales. Like it, there's just as it's a lot of connection points in here. And one of the things that I wanted to, I just wanted to read this really quick paragraph because I thought it was. It, I just could relate to it quite a bit on, this was the part where you talk about impact of not listening. And uh, this paragraph said, too often throughout my career, I saw a leader's or salesperson's ego getting in the way of decision-making. They might have started to listen, but then they fell into the habit of only hearing, which would frustrate the customer, ultimately damaging the relationship. The individual would focus solely on being right rather than solving the customer's problem. One of my former executives earlier in my career would always counsel me, you can be right or you can get what you want. What you want is for the customer to be happy so that you can win the relationship. When we only hear someone, we run the risk of missing information and only focusing on being right, which will only increase our chances of losing the relationship. Just so cool. There's so many points there. Like for me, when I think about that, you talk about asking the right questions and asking great questions and really understanding what the customer, again, from my point of view, the customer, the internal customer from, for mm -hmm. all of my years of working. And now for when I'm talking to my customers now for, from Beeline, asking those good questions and really understanding them. So that's, I, I just love that area. I, it's funny you say that, that, I mean, that's my, I was on a podcast last week and then gen, the gentleman asked me what was my, they, I had to introduce myself and say, what was my best piece of advice ever, I've ever received? And I said that line it was the guy yeah. said, you, you can be right, or you can get what you want. And I was young. I said, I want them both. He goes, you can't, you got to pick one. And thank God I'm wired this way. I said, why I want, I want to get what I want. And because people who say, I want to be right, you got an ego issue. I hate to call you out, but that's the reality of it. And to me, it's a great interview question. I used to ask people that out of the gate because you find out a lot about someone when you're interviewing them. And as it relates to the staffing world, that the 
when clients would hire a set of consultants to work on a project and then they would fall in love with somebody, they want to bring them on full time. Standard businesses, maybe a zero to three months, they might, the fee might be X. If, as the time goes on, the fee goes down. Sometimes my clients would say, hey, Casey, we want to invite, we want to hire this person at like month four. And I would go to that and get the fee waived. And they'd be like, why would, you, why would we do that? Sometimes I'd have an internal pushback. I'm like, in the end, customers are going to know we did went to battle for them. They're going to be happy. They're going to be probably a lot more likely to want to use this in the future. And that person's going to be free marketing for us every time they see them internally. They're going to remember me and us because of that person. It's two months. And in the big scheme of things, it's a small fee. Why do we have to be right? And so I'm not saying I was right, but that strategy definitely helped me win a lot more people because I always focus on being easy to work with and being flexible. You had to be really intentional about those two things. But yeah, hearing it is the worst when someone's not listening to you. You know oh, yeah. it, you see yeah. it, you feel it. Yeah. It's so basic, but it's just so true. I mean, we could talk about the book all day long, but what about the book that is within the book or any, anything in the book that, in, that after you had written it and after you had spoken to folks about it, was there anything in there that you would change? I would say no, but the one thing I would say, I'm glad you said it a second ago. When I wrote the book, it was definitely for, I wrote it for four reasons. I wrote it for someone who's right out of school has no idea how to get into sales or business and they just need some like practical advice. Okay. I wrote it for someone who's stuck in their north of 30 that maybe they've plateaued in their sales career and they're not really sure what to do. I wrote it for an executive that says, man, this guy just did this and he was really, he achieved that. Shoot, this is easy stuff. I, I, and so now I wanted to buy an onboarding tool for their sales teams. And then the last thing I wrote it for colleges to have a book, part of the recommended reading part of the class. However, what I've found is, and you just said it, I have people that are teachers, I've had leaders, I've had, it's turned into more of a leadership book because these six things I wrote about there, you got to be able to bring positivity to your team. You got to set expectations. You got to listen. You got to document what you hear and take good notes. You got to check your ego, practice what you do, and then have patience. Yeah, those are helpful in sales, but those are helpful in anything. And I jokingly, I think I said to you before, but I, it's on God honest truth. I've read the book eight or nine times part of my editing or when I did the audible version and I've learned something from myself <laughs> reading that because I didn't create these things. These things have been around forever. I just said, yeah. okay, these are the things I've, when I was doing thing, those things, things really well, it produced elite level results. When things maybe got off track, it, to me, it was a great way to go back. It's like that watching film analogy of, yeah. but no, it, it, I mean, it's, if I did close my eyes and envision it when I wrote it is exactly what it looked like. I wanted a shorter book. It's like 175 pages because most salespeople have ADD and get, they see a new squirrel. They want to go look at it. <laughs> and it was just something they could read quickly. Yeah. No, it's great. Any thoughts of another book, new book? If you ask my wife, she says no, because she was my best editor. I definitely would love to do it again. I would love to write more about, I would like to write about curiosity. I think curiosity is a superpower. I feel it. I see it. You talked about great questions. Those are two words I look for in any meeting I'm at. And like when I coach teams, sales teams, I'm like, if you're not hearing the two words, great question, you're not, you're being common. You're just like everybody else. You're not yeah. making the client think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not here to announce the next, but maybe I'll do a scratch and sniff one before yeah, that to make it easier on me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So getting into kind of your client base, you're talking to folks all the time and I know you do workshops, you do coaching, executive coaching, and I, you have clients across multiple industries, I'm assuming. So what do you, some of your workshops look like? What do you do? What are you finding? What's cool? What's not? Yeah, it's interesting. I obviously came from the staffing consulting background, did not come from wealth management, did not come from insurance, did not come from real estate, did not come from medical device. All those industries have hired me, did not come from marketing. 
and it's software, but I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. But regarding workshops, a lot of it has, it happens where I'll either I'll speak and then we'll do like a, you know, breakout sessions on either a value acronym I created, or we'll do workshops on each component of the book. And then we'll have them, I'll make it a very interactive session where people have to like give examples of, which is there's examples obviously at the end of each chapter, but we'll use some of that framework to get people to be, let's don't talk about how great we are. The goal of these workshops is to talk about our gaps because we all have them, even the author. And when we can get people to be that true version of themselves and realize that one of my favorite quotes, my, one of my mentors got him, John Kaplan said, he said, it's okay not to know every answer. It's just not okay not to do anything about it. And I love that because it just, when he, and this guy's like a beast of all beasts, he's an amazing, successful guy. I got a long way to go from be him, but he's someone I look up to. So if I have other people that maybe look up to me in my journey, but let's stay grounded in humility. And that, that's really the theme of a lot of the workshops is if we can leave with one or two things that, man, that made me think, and here's why I can apply A or B to my job to go maybe win more relationships to retain an employee or to attract a new employee or to retain a customer, to attract a new customer, then it was successful. That's great. What are some hot items now, like just current that you're, that you're hearing from your customers, your clients, any, anything that's shocking or really interesting or different? What do you hear? You know, it's funny. The thing I hear most is that so many clients I'm working with are getting back to the basics, which is not sexy. It's not like riveting. Oh my God. It's not like this new automation piece of software that's out. It's wow. We got to get, I can't believe we got going so fast and we didn't commit to a sales process or wow, we really aren't using a CRM. We've paid all this money for X platform or I'm using it. Mm. I can't believe it was right in front of us. And so I feel like my curiosity is unlocking those ahas, which is I can see right away just because I'm not in their journey with them, but I can see it quickly just from my experience. And I think sometimes people are looking for that secret sauce. I've seen people, I've seen companies blame this virtual world that we can't connect and that it is too, it's too hard to build relationships. I disagree. I started my business in a global pandemic, all virtually. When, if someone's screens on, there's questions you can ask. If there's something in their background, I'm asking questions. If there's, yep. yeah. And what I think about now, like the, well, again, it doesn't have to be in sales because if people are on LinkedIn, you're talking about yourself on LinkedIn. You're sharing information about yourself. I do a little bit of homework and ask some good open-ended questions, not just one question and talk about me, like ask one question and then a second, third, fourth to follow that same train of mind. You can build relationships anywhere. The last thing I'll say is the ahas. I had a great conversation with the probably mid fifties. The, the power of pick up the phone. Like sometimes people just appreciate an old school phone call because we're some people get Zoom fatigue or well, I can't call them because I don't have a meeting booked for them. Would well, you have a relationship? Yeah, call them. What happens? They're not ready for me to call them. That's the whole point of the phone. <laughs> yeah. Like. When I was a kid, we didn't say, Hey, I'm going to call you at 206 to go play. It's like, you just picked up the phone and called. Oh, Hey, you know, yeah. and why we've gotten away with that well, away from that. I'm not sure, but yeah, I love that. I love that. I try and do that once a week, Casey. I try and pick up the phone and just call someone, not random, but old friends and colleagues that I've worked with in the past. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. You talked about back to the basics. It's really interesting to me because it's like kind of the cycle. I almost feel like I hear that every three or four years ago, and then all of a sudden pump the brakes. Okay, let's dial it back a little bit. Let's get back to the basics. Are you seeing that more so because companies just growth real quick and they've just pushed the basic stuff to the side and they just focused on sales and revenue? I think so. Yeah. There's 
I can't, I'm not going to name them, but there's definitely yeah. customers I think that grew really fast. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we weren't doing this. Like, how do we do that? And you think about, yeah, you know, I was at the baseball, I was at the Mariner game. Big M's fan. How about the run? Eight in a row, baby. Let's go. And, but I watched our Julio Rodriguez, one of our new studs, and we were watching him warm up. Like he had the same, they were boring drills. He had these bands around his legs. He was doing deep squats. He was doing these weird warm up stuff. He did them every game that we've been to. And you wonder why he's an elite performer. He's wonder why he's first all-star game. You look about Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. He would get up at four in the morning on game days and shoot thousands of shots before the game. Yeah. Michael Jordan, this, everybody who's elite at what they do. I think sometimes there's this fallacy that like, wow, that guy's lucky or she's really lucky. No, she's not. They, you didn't see the work that's been done for years and their choices. Cause we all, I always say, when I hear people say, man, I don't have time to do that. Yeah, you do. You and all of us, we get 1,440 minutes each day. No one gets more, no one gets less. Unless you got a different relationship with God or the universe than I do, we all get the same <laughs> amount. And it's just, but it's about mindset and choices. And that's what I'm really passionate about now is that type of work. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, speaking of that, putting the work in on the executive coaching side, you have some, some leaders that you work with on an individual basis as well. And you give them a lot of work to get better at what they're trying to do. Are there, are there common themes across your individual executive base on things that they're trying to improve on, whether it's executive presence or I don't know, what are some of the things that you work on? I think there's three words that I'm so clear and consciously confident about what I'm coaching is curiosity, humility, and vulnerability. I think those three words inspire the best leaders. It's funny when sometimes when an executive will say, man, yeah, we have vulnerability is really part of our organization. I'm like, God, it's great to hear. I said, tell me the last time you've shared your gaps in front of your team publicly. I haven't done that. Okay. Tell me the last time you've asked for help from your team. I haven't done that either. Then you don't have vulnerability. You think you do because it's buzzword and Brene Brown talks about it. So you just want to keep saying it. So I think like we can get people to like just humanize themselves and do things like, Hey, let's practice how this is going to sound. Or some leaders I work with, they want to be the smartest in the room. And it, to me, the best leaders are the ones that ask the best questions. Yeah. So if I come to a leader and say, Hey, I, Mike, I got a problem with this. Hey, thanks for coming Casey. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And you put it back on me and I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm sure you and encourage them to not be scared to go talk to people. Cause I don't know. I, I just, I see it. But when I see those three words that are present, it's, I, and I hate to use the word magical, but it, that I see it's like cultures change, people's confidence change, their mindset's different. It, it just, because I think there's a lot of executives, corporate America, that you get put in that box or that description of you got to be an a-hole to be at the top. Yeah. And you got to be this you, grinder and maybe you do. I, I prove you didn't. And I think you can, being nice is never going to go out of style. I don't care what kind of recession we go through. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah, I know I've seen both ends of the spectrum on that. I'm sure you have sure. <laughs> as well over, over the years. And I think I've talked about culture so much over the past year and few months when, since being at Beeline. And just from a Beeline perspective, the culture is just absolutely out of this world amazing. And it's one of the greatest things that, greatest assets that we have. And that's because of leadership. And it just permeates that like all throughout the organization. And that wasn't the case for my entire career, for sure. But it's even more important now, Casey, I think for retention purposes and people mm -hmm. that want to stay within those organizations because the job market's so hot and things are, people are looking for different things now, right? It's not all about the money. It's about culture. It's about being able to be comfortable at work and enjoy what you're doing. You talk about laughing at work and all that kind of stuff. It's hugely important right now for 
for uh, for a lot of people. And let me let me let me pat Beeline on the back. So like companies say that. Oh, we have great culture. Everybody says that. From the outsider, I, I was very lucky to speak at your guys' SKO, and that's where you and I met. And it's true. Like it is. I felt it. I felt it from every single person I talked from Doug, C CEO Levy to Craig, who I got to know very well, and Craig's doing well, and then Jessica and, and many others. And you feel it. It's different. Yeah. And I think that takes intentionality by leaders and I think curiosity. And when things aren't right, do you check in on people or do you just, eh, they'll be okay. Yeah. So I think shout out to you guys. You're doing something right. You can feel it, man. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's great. Great organization. So I'm going to go to the podcast, the dad cast. This is super cool that you do this on a bi-weekly basis. I think you're doing a podcast or every. It's mainly just every Thursday during COVID. I did two episodes a week just to keep me busy because I had anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Coaching didn't like start off yet, but yeah, every Thursday comes out. I love it. I love it. So it's called the quarterback dad cast. So tell, tell me how long you've been doing this for now. We are in season three on July 14th. We'll have episode 151 will come out, wow. which is so hard to believe. We have two sponsors, my friends, Acme Holmes. He's a former college teammate and Bob coming. And then a guy named Assam who runs catch sick of seafoods and just a salt of the earth guy. And I think about adversity and getting through, he turned, he actually turned my daughter who she used to call herself a pizzatarian into <laughs> someone who likes fish. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just, I, I love what I love about the podcast. It allows me to practice my curiosity mm. and ask questions and shut up. And I think it makes me a better coach, better salesperson, better business person, better friend. And I knew when I started this, there wasn't a lot of dad stuff out there. And the theme of making fun of myself with Uncle Rico jokes and a theme of playing quarterback and the metaphor of a quarterback could be a leader of a team. But in marriages, like I might be the leader, but my wife's a general manager. Like she is, she runs a ship right here. And I'm, but it, it just, it was, it's fun to learn about people. It's fun to get dads to talk about things or hear them say, man, Casey, I haven't thought about that in years. I can't believe you got me to say that. Yeah. It's because I was prepared and I asked good questions. It's not yeah. luck. Yeah. I think I, I did say, I think I did say that on your, on the podcast a few times. <laughs> yeah, you did. And that was, I was so honored that you joined me and we talked a lot about, we talked some golf and yeah. your journey, supporting your kids and your journey with just in procurement. And that's what was fun about today is I think you're probably, your guests are thinking, why the heck are we having a guy that sold on a procurement podcast? What the heck? Makes no sense. But I think you and I, we don't, you don't have to stay in your box. If there's, you can think about others and think about what others can be successful and think about others first, go, going back to that, be right to get what you want mindset. Yeah. You can build a relationship with anybody. But anyway, I love the podcast. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah, absolutely. What, so what, within the podcast, what has been the most surprising thing for you? Like just that obviously you've built a lot of relationships, with a lot of people, I'm sure you've heard a lot of interesting stories, but what have you gotten out of it that you didn't really expect going in? Two things, personal therapy keeps it just days where I'm like, God, I'm not, I was not a good dad today. I just did not like how he responded. It just knowing that, okay, then go apologize and get better tomorrow. We all make mistakes. So like that was a great learning lesson. The biggest thing though I learned is I did not anticipate when I wrote the book, when I started the podcast, when I this coaching journey found me, I did not think they would all be intertwined ever. Beeline's a perfect example. Yourself, Craig Coe, Doug Levy, all podcasts, quarterback, dadcast guests. I think what I've heard from like folks at Beeline's like, wow, I did not know my leader. That's so cool. I got another, I learned a different side of my leader. It, like it further humanizes us. It makes us more relatable, connect, being able to connect. But Craig, I remember him saying that his team said, man, did I not know that story? Didn't know about the hockey story or your golf with your daughter. Or, and that's what's so rewarding. 
for me. If I can create a platform or a vehicle that allows other people to get better and to enjoy, awesome. And I know that the karma, it always comes back to you. I would call that have a boomerang mindset and it's just fun to serve others. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So anything else new, Casey, that you're thinking about doing, you're going to stick to your plan of executive coaching and workshops, have clients. What do you, what else looks different for you in the future, if anything? I think one thing I'm really excited about, and I don't know where this is going to go, but I also do consulting for a company called Limitless Minds, which is a company run by uh, Russell Wilson, his brother, Harry Wilson, their other founding partner, DJ Eidson, and then the late Trevor Moat, who we lost in February to cancer, which is really sad. And he wrote a great book called It Takes What It Takes. The book called Getting to Neutral. He's a crazy smart guy, G Academy, done all this work. And anyway, so we do mindset work, bring that mindset of a kind of a, the professional athlete to the corporate athlete. And I'm excited about the future of that. It, Limitless Minds is growing. They've they now have full-time employees. Now we're still considered consultants outside, but they have big goals there. And they, people at Limitless Minds, we talk about think big, go far. And we always say the best is ahead. So again, to me, I love it because it just aligns with the positive nature that I'm blessed to have, the naivety, positivity. So that'd be the only other thing I'm, I'm working on now. And I definitely have some big name guests in the hopper for the podcast. I, do you remember the name uh, Joey Galloway? Oh yeah. So Joey, I got introduced to him this morning. I had a Zoom call with him and That's it was like, I can't believe I'm talking to Joey Galloway. This is crazy. <laughs> but the people can't say, but the word behind me says believe. And I, that's one word I, I do a lot of coaching with my clients work is you got to believe what you do matters with everything you do. And I know that I can look in the mirror. I don't care if I'm talking to fricking Babe Ruth or Oprah, like I'm not going to get nervous because I believe what I do matters. And I yeah. know I'm coming from a genuine spot. And so I got to lead into him. We got to lead into the other folks, maybe a Jim Nance potential in the future. Fingers crossed, throwing that out to the universe. See if we can make that happen. But that would be really to honor my dad who passed away in December. Jim Nance's father passed away of Alzheimer's and dementias, and he does a lot of work to support that oh, interesting that foundation. So I, I think it would be a great way to interview him and send some love to Alzheimer's and dementia and bring awareness. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great. I know we've covered a lot today. It's It's been an honor to have you on the podcast today. I think uh, you're doing a lot of great things, and it was certainly a pleasure meeting you several months ago, and uh, you're doing a lot of wonderful things for a lot of people. So continued success to you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. And last thing I would just leave that I think I love, I really want to hope the, the if the procurement folks are listening to the sales teams, be uncommon in your relationships you form. And just because someone says, do something or do this, do that, be curious to go ask why, and be curious to learn about how you can help others, no matter what role they play in an organization and make sure you're asking, you're understanding how we all are measured of success. Like from a procurement to a sales, to a leadership, to a fine, whatever it may be, like stay curious, not judgmental to quote Ted Lasso. And I think you, you stay on that path. You will be, you will be surprised pleasantly of the relationships you'll form. You'll be uncommon, which is a, one of my favorite words. And yeah, I'll leave it with that. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Certainly this podcast is uncommon because there's not a lot of CPOs doing this type of stuff. So I like being uncommon as well. There we go. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. And if you want to get in touch with Casey, I think the best way is go to your website, right? So www.caseyjcox.com and tons of information about Casey and what he's all about, what he's doing. And LinkedIn's a great way too. LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you all for listening. Be safe out there and have a great day. 
You've been listening to CPO Open Mic with Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa. Tune in to each episode every month by following Mike on LinkedIn.